Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last week, we discussed coaching burnout, and if you missed that one, I highly recommend you go back. We had a lot of good feedback on that one, coaches reaching out to us and basically thanking us for bringing up that topic, so make sure you check that out. Today, we're going to be talking about the topic, Trust Your Gut, and joining me, as always, is our co-host of this podcast series, Brian Kite. BK, good to be talking to you here, and again, we're in Ohio, it's week eight, but somewhere around there, we are heading towards the tail end of regular season for a lot of high schools around the country. Well, for those of you who don't know, I live in down here in the south in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it, by the way, this is as... This is as far south as you can go without being in the south. So those of you who are like now listening down in Georgia are like, this ain't the south. You're right. This is as far south as you can come without being truly the south, but it's more southern than Ohio. And we just, over the last, I don't know, couple weeks maybe, we just crossed over where it's no longer 95 and crazy humid. And I think you guys in Ohio have been warmer but but have been clear of that for a while so it's like now it's like it's that first real week of crisp mornings here so i finally personally feel like i'm in the fall from a weather perspective so good uh good time of year uh, my favorite time of year personally and yeah i want to echo what you said keith about last week about burnout tons of great feedback tons of great uh tons of messages from coaches you know both emailing me sending me direct messages on on Twitter and on Instagram and, and, you know, texting me and just different notes about, about things they've been dealing with and wrestling with. And frankly, you know, a lot of questions being asked and that's why we want to talk about that. Why, you know, it's to, 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 to give you at least a cue for those of you who didn't listen to last week and a reason to go back and listen. It's that so many coaches do feel whatever their version of burnout is and they don't feel like they have permission to talk about it. They don't feel like they're allowed. And we did talk about it last week, and we talked about where it comes from and why and what the sources of it are and what to do. And so if, if you're feeling any of that, if you're feeling whatever you might classify as some kind of burnout or rundown, go back, listen to it, and then you know, if you feel like you want to share any thoughts or get any insight, you know, come back to me and Keith, and, and you know, we'll, we'll be happy to share with you guys. So BK, today we're going to talk about trust your gut and you, we could look at this 
you know, kind of from a micro level and thinking about what that means to football. And you hear a lot of coaches talk about, uh, you know, as play callers, as an example, you know, I'm, I'm just calling from my gut. I'm calling from my feel. And I used to be a, a guy who was like that. And then I realized, you know, if, if I go out and do that, why, what am I doing all week long and breaking down all this film and coming up with these numbers and this data and really understanding what they're going to do in certain situations. And then I throw that all out and, and just trust my gut on it. And, you know, what I had realized over the course of time was that I, I was really better making decisions with more information rather than just by feel. Now, I mean, I think you, there's a balance of that. I think there's times when you just know, but I think at the same time for, for you to, you know, to throw things out. And this is my opinion on play calling. We're going to get much bigger than this, but to say that you do everything from a feel and trust your gut, you know, there's certainly been a lot of times where gut feel is wrong as well. Yeah, certainly. And, and let me come back. Let me come back to what you just, you just mentioned. And we talk about you make better decisions with more information. Let me ask you. Let me ask you, or let me let me pressure test that a little bit and see if we're we're on the same page. Because I, I don't know, and that may be true for you, Keith, but I don't know that more information is exactly what we're after, but better information, right? Because you know we can get so much info, but I I think you and I both know what happens when you have tons of information to the speed of processing and the confidence of decision. I mean, when you have tons of info, do you tend to make faster or slower decisions? Make slower decisions if there's too much, you get overwhelmed. And Yeah, and when you have tons of info, does that make you unbelievably confident that you understand all of it and therefore really confident in all of the decisions? And again, it's, you know, whatever, whatever we would classify as tons of info. So, you know, I, I also think, again, and I, and I say this because not, not because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I disagree with you or frankly, I'm, you know, especially not even to say, hey, no, you don't do that because you might you might be better with you might be somebody who, hey, when you get more info, you do make better decisions. But what I want to make sure, at least from a coach's perspective, kind of like this phrase of trust your gut, it, it certain phrases like this one become accepted as truth for two main reasons. Number one is they're popular, even from people that we admire. We hear certain phrases like this. And number two is they are, we selectively evaluate the results and consequences of phrases like this. And I would put like, hey, you know, you make better decisions with more information. And I think that's probably one where we selectively evaluate how often that's true, just like trust your gut. When I, when I hear something like trust your gut, why I wanted to talk about it today is, I mean, here's the difference. Let's go back to the, to the info piece. I'm going to come back to, you know, and talk about these two things in order here. If we were to say there's two different options, if I had if I had five pieces of information that I was 99% confident in versus having 30 pieces of information that I was 60% confident in, right? Having less info with a lot more confidence in it. And this is where I come back to simplicity, having less info with a lot more confidence 
it actually helps me act better and faster and frankly with more trust in myself than having a ton of info that I haven't been able to verify or validate or build as much confidence in, frankly, just because it's so much from a volume perspective. Those are two different forms of action, two different forms of confidence, two different forms of, of trust that we can go. Just like in football, if we've got, if we've got 10 plays offensively or defensively that we have 95% confidence in how we execute versus if we have 40 plays that we only have 60 or 70 or 50% confidence in how we can execute. Like there's really not that much, you don't get much benefit for having 40 plays that you have less confidence in and trust that you can execute. And so it's the same thing here with, being able to evaluate how is how are some of these phrases that have become popular that frankly sometimes we even live our lives by and i think maybe maybe keith maybe this came out in me intuitively or i don't know maybe this came out this i chose this topic today because because i i i know how often coaches you you know can coach or lead or build teams by phrases you know, we talk about it, right? Average coaches use quotes. Good coaches have plans. Great coaches have systems. You know, this this whole you know using quotes. Maybe that's where this came out, and, and why I why I wanted to talk about this is there's phrases that get used so often that we just accept them as true, and that happens in coaching all the time. And I want to I want to take a step back and say, okay, let's just check this one here because it gets used in places outside of coaching. Trust your gut. That's like life advice, right? Trust your gut. It's kind of like follow your passion. Well, let's actually evaluate it. And let's look at two things. One, just because it's popular, does that mean it's true? And then number two is if we're going to if we're going to look at trust your gut and determine whether or not that's a good thing to do, we can't selectively evaluate results when our gut was right. And then say, ah, see, I told you so. And then ignore it when our gut is wrong. Because here's my experience, Keith. My experience is this. At best – my gut is 50-50. Like if we're talking lifetime, I'm 37. My gut is batting 500 on accuracy. That's that's good in baseball, Brian. I don't know if I like it in football as much. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about life either. <laughs> you know, like like, and then you know the order of decisions and the context and you know and and frankly, there's so many new things happening right now that you can say, trust your gut, but we're living in an era of some pretty rapid growth of some very innovative things happening of some massive changes of, of new ground that we're walking. Trust your gut on familiar ground, perhaps trust your gut on new ground. I mean, that it could end you. If you trust your gut in the wrong moment because of, because of the phrase, and it was a new thing, it's over. So we can't just use phrases like this. We, we, need, to, we need to take a step back and we need to, to ask, what is trust your gut saying? What does it mean? And I think here's, here's a good starting spot for us today. When somebody says, trust your gut, what do they mean? Like what, what does somebody actually mean when they say, you got to trust your gut? What, what do they... What are they suggesting we trust? What are they suggesting you trust? I mean, is it a feeling, an impulse? I mean, is it a calculation? Is it trusting your experience? Is it trusting your conscience? 
Is it trusting your value system? Is it trusting your intuition? Is it trusting your plan? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so loose. And that's that's the issue with the phrase, right? Because it, I think of it this way, Brian, like there are coaches who can use that phrase and are 40 years into their career. And with things they've seen over and over again, they might say they trust their gut, but they've had, they've collected that data. It's become part of their thought process. It's be, you know, I'm sure a lot of those guys have survived that long because they do have some kind of system. So to say that they're just acting on on intuition is kind of a, it doesn't paint really the true picture of what's going on as far as a thought process with those guys. When you take that into a coach who's maybe been in it for a couple of years and doesn't have those experiences and you tell him to trust his, his gut, you know, again, it goes back. There's way more variable that he doesn't understand. Right. And that, that's, that's a good starting point. So, you know, because there's a bunch of things that we, that we could go into, and, and this is a, a long, you know, once we start getting into what, it's not really the gut, and there's so much more that goes into it, obviously, this this is, you know, this is a conversation for the rest of our lives, not 30, 45 minute podcast. So this is just opening up the topic. But there, trusting your gut, point blank, is not good advice. Now, it's not bad advice, as in don't do it. But it's not good advice because it's a directive, trust your gut. Well, the point is sometimes, right? Sometimes. But if you knew when to trust your gut beforehand and when not to trust your gut beforehand, you would have avoided at least eight major mistakes you've made in your life. Maybe more than eight. In fact, definitely more than eight. I know I would have. I would have avoided 80 where it's like, hey, trust your gut. And then I acted on my gut, and my gut was wrong. It pointed me in the wrong direction. It told me the wrong thing to do, sometimes actively wrong. Sometimes the feeling I had was, it, was an impulsive, selfish, rush to judgment, try to win it all in the moment rather than do the work, take a shortcut. Sometimes my gut was just point blank wrong, and I trusted it. Other times, my gut was just a miscalculation. Other times, my gut, my gut was a guess. I trusted it, but it was just a guess. My gut said it, but it was based on nothing. It was based on a feeling, a whim, a, a, a flight in my head. I thought I could do it. It was based on overconfidence. Other times, my, my trust in my gut, and it was a miscalculation. Like I was thinking about when we were prepping for this, say, trust your gut. And I'll come back to this, and we know what do we want to do instead. But I was thinking about it like people say, trust your gut. You ever play, uh, you ever play uh, like roulette or, or blackjack and watch people say, oh, trust your gut. You watch what happens to people who play roulette and blackjack when it's trust your gut. Everybody's convinced they see six, six reds in a row in roulette. And they're like, oh, a black's got to come. And you're like, oh, my gut's telling me a black's coming. And it's like they evaluate whether their gut was right after it happens. And when it was right, they're like, I told you. And it was wrong. It was like, oh, dang, I can't believe it. But they don't go back and then say, oh, okay, well, my gut said it, and then my gut was completely wrong, and then like bury that into their data bank of, well, well, that was my gut being completely wrong. I better not trust it as, as quickly next time. That's not what people do. So there's all kinds of things that get regarded as our gut. And again, just real quick, right? There's feelings, 
impulses, calculations, experiences, our conscience, our value system, our intuition, uh, an actual system that we use, an observation, input from somebody else. There's all kinds of stuff that's trusting your gut. But let's do this. What if we compare trust your gut to other advice, which is what about changing your mind? What about evolving? How do you put both of those things together? So I don't want people to trust their gut because I don't even know that you know what your gut is. I mean, if I were to ask you, Keith, and you were to just for yourself, somebody says, trust your gut. What does your mind tell you somebody is telling you to do? Like Keith Grabowski, you hear somebody say, hey, trust your gut, Keith. What do you interpret that as meaning for you? Like what, what's somebody informing you to do? To me, it's, it's uh, don't, don't think about what your brain's telling you to do. Think about what your heart's telling you to do. I use that in quotation marks. But to sure, me, yeah. that's, that's the feeling of you know, that phrase anytime I hear it. Mm. Okay. And I think that's, I think that's, that's solid, right? And I, I wouldn't even say that's, I wouldn't say that's wrong. I would say that's good. I would say that's, that's definitely part of it. And let's take that in coaching. Okay, here we go. Don't, don't do what your brain tells you to do. Do what your heart's telling you to do. How often in coaching is the smart, wise, even necessary thing to do that your head tells you you need to do this? the thing that you actually have to do, but it's hard for your heart because it's going to hurt somebody's feelings or you have to let go of somebody on the team who is toxic and difficult. And you know, it's going to be very difficult for that particular individual. How often is the, the, the smart wise thing to do very hard for your heart to accept in coaching? Well, I think that that comes up often, especially as we roll towards you know, the end of the season, a lot of coaches going through and evaluating their personnel might be their coaching staff. It might be certain players on the team, et cetera, that you you have to make some of those decisions. I mean, it might even be evaluating whether they stay in that particular job or not. And, and those kinds of changes certainly have, uh, you know, implications with, with feelings as well. Yep. And, you know, I, I, uh, obviously we won't – I'm not going to name names – but look at in college football, how often coaches make decisions about players to keep and give chances to and players not to. And a lot of coaches get crushed. I've heard Nick Saban talk about this. A lot of coaches get crushed um, because they give their heart to players who make mistakes, which 18 to 22-year-olds do. And sometimes those mistakes are bad. Sometimes they're 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 like they're not little mistakes, they're big mistakes. Sometimes they're legal mistakes. And where's the line about when to use your heart and help the player, keep them in the program, give them a second, even a third chance, pulling them into the system. This is what I've I've heard I heard Saban talk about where 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 does that player have a better chance to build a good life for himself? If if he's in the program and in the structure or out of the program and not in that kind of a structure where he's got that leadership and guidance and, and training and help, 
or if he is detached from it and cut off from the team because he made a mistake. And, and, you know, but then you watch other coaches and again, and I'm not naming names, but you watch other coaches who try to help people who are in difficult situations or try to work with people and then it doesn't work out. And then they get crushed by the public and by the media and by everybody else for hiding things and for doing this and for doing that when, you know, you know, people, and a lot of times it was decisions based on what you just said, right? I'm not using my head. I'm using my heart here. And it's, and it's, look, it's hard because the point is, the point is it's not always the right decision. Sometimes it's the wrong one. Sometimes we got to let it go, but it's hard. It's hard. And this is what I get asked by high school coaches a lot because it's different than college is what about a kid, a young person who, you know, you've been pouring into, but they're just, they're just a really, really toxic player on the team and you're trying to decide whether or not to keep him or not but he feels like he's costing you a lot your heart is telling you keep the kid but your head is saying it's costing you the rest of the team and that's tough your gut feels in conflict there so you know i think if we were to if we had a bunch of other people on this call you'd hear a number of other things about trusting your gut well trust your gut is do what feels right well, again, you know, part of the human experience is what feels right is really different. And I would say if you're going to be consistent about what feels right across all situations and, you know, what's right in one situation, you hold on to that across all situations um, or you hold that standard. Okay. I think we're now moving in the right direction, but I think that there's at least a couple things. There's a couple things that we have to do. I think the first piece is this, when we say trust your gut, I think here's, here's the first thing, overarching, this is what we've got to do. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in the advice, trust your gut, but I believe in the sentiment because I am somebody who, myself, personally, I operate by, I think if people were to observe me, I think other people would look at me and say, boy, that's somebody who, who operates by a trust his gut you know, mentality or mindset. And in some respects, they'd be right, but I don't actually believe in the advice, trust your gut, point blank, or, or without, without check. What I believe is this. I believe that if you're going to use some version of trust your gut, there's a requirement that precedes it. And that's two. There's two pieces. Number one is if you're going to trust your gut, you have to be willing to accept the consequences, good or bad, before you make the decision to trust your gut, which I don't think people do. I think people want to trust their gut and then they want to defend themselves afterward. Regardless, call it the right decision every time. I'll trust my gut, Keith, but I will trust my gut recognizing that it's a 500 choice, like meaning like it's 50-50. I accept in moments when I quote unquote do that, trust my gut. I accept that 50% of the time it is not going to work. And I accept it beforehand. And number two, so first, you have to accept good or bad consequences before you make the decision to trust your gut and that it's going to be about 50-50. You might go on a run, but that just means that like if you want to go on a run where you make a bunch of really great calls, that just means that what? Later on, you're going to have a run the opposite direction. And you're going to make a bunch of bad calls based on gut. The second piece is if you're going to say trust your gut, you have to track 
how often it works and how often it doesn't so that you get a more accurate and honest view of what trusting your gut actually means, which is going to even out to 50-50 over time. Those are the two requirements if you're going to operate by this because people say trust your gut. And then people operate by, oh, I trust my gut. And then they like selectively evaluate the times when their gut was right. And they think that their gut is more accurate and truthful than it really is. Does that make sense? So Brian, knowing that 50-50 is probably the best we can do with trust your gut for you when you look at that, what what's something we either need to to add to operating like that or potentially a, a better way to operate than just, again, in quotations, trust your gut. Yes. Yes. So I look at a handful of things. First thing, and I'll talk about what I do. And I think it's, I think it, it, it is, it, you know, I think it's reflected if you, if you look around at how good decisions get made just in life. And then you look at how really great operators are performing, whether it's in football or in life or in business, this is, I think this is a better approach than trust your gut. I think the first question to ask is what skill do I have in this? I mean, I, I think this is a frustrating thing for me, Keith. And I, I observe this a lot. People trust their gut in areas where they have little to no skill. They're incompetent. And then they still trust their gut. They have no basis for confidence but they completely trust themselves to make a decision in something they have almost no skill in at all. Why would you trust your gut in an area where you aren't good <laughs> and you haven't studied and you haven't trained? So the first question I ask myself is what skill do I actually have in this? And here's what I come to Keith. If I isolate scenarios and I watch this, if I isolate scenarios, where I have a lot of skill, where I've trained a ton, and I know I'm really good, how often is my gut going to be right in those kinds of scenarios? Well, I'm going to be probably better than 50-50, right? But I first have to know if the decision I'm making is in an area where I actually have developed skill. So if I'm driving down the street and I reach traffic and I'm, you know, and this is a low value thing, but it's like, Oh, Hey, you know, I'm trying to decide whether to just stay on the route that I'm driving, stay in the traffic or follow the, I don't know, follow some detour that I think in mind. And I was like, Oh, should I trust my gut? And my gut is telling me, my gut is telling me, take the, take the alternate route. And I say, trust my gut. First thing I say is what skill do I have in this? Do I have any actual real skill and knowledge about the traffic patterns of this road and the time distance between, you know, uh, uh, staying on this freeway where there's traffic or taking these other roads where there's no traffic? Do I have any skill to know whether or not my gut is telling me anything useful and relevant here? And immediately I would tell myself, no, I have no skill here. I know nothing. I'm guessing. And then I would just stay sitting probably on the freeway driving traffic because of those two choices. It's the one that I have, I'm already doing, I'm already moving and I'll just keep going. So you look at, you look at all the different areas and a lot of people, a lot of people will say, trust their gut in areas where they just don't have developed skill or where they have like, I don't know, they, they read a book 
and they remember a chapter or two about the book and they have like a surface level understanding of something or they remember a quote and they confuse that for skill. So rather than trust your gut, ask, do I actually have really deep developed skill here? Here's the second piece, Keith. I'm going to bring it back to the skill one as well. The second thing is what experience of positive consequences do I have in this particular scenario? And I use that word positive consequences, positive outcomes, positive results, meaning this. The second thing people will do is they will confuse having experience with skill. And they'll say trust their gut because they have a lot of experience. But what did I remember? Remember what I said? This is where I stack a couple of things. I want to make sure I don't lose anybody here. Remember what I said? One of the problems about trusting your gut is what do we not do? We, we've, we've trusted our gut a lot over time, and then we what? We don't evaluate how often our gut was right and how often our gut was wrong, honestly. And so what, do pe- what mistake do people make with their experience? They say trust their gut, and they tell themselves that their gut is usually what? And they say their gut's usually right. But the reason they say their gut is usually right is because they block out the times where their gut was wrong, and they remember the times where their gut was right, and they get a false perception of themselves and their decision-making ability. And they equate experience with experience of positive consequences. This is why I really press people and why I'm putting it out there. Your gut is 50-50, like collective, total. Well, a lot of times because our gut is 50-50, myself included, my gut is 50-50 because I've trusted my gut in environments and situations where I had no skill. I ought to have done something other than trust my gut because I should have recognized I don't have skill in this. So I'd either need to observe or watch someone else. I need to sit this out or I need to, you know, I need to make it, I need to bring in different criteria or let somebody else make a decision or, you know, follow a leader as opposed to trust my gut or just let somebody else make the decision. Ask, you know, there's so many different things to do. So I think the first thing is what skill do I have in this? The second one is what experience of positive consequences do I have? How often have you been in that scenario and made decisions that created positive consequences and outcomes the same way that you're about to? How often are you consistently right in this particular area? And if you have a track record of being right more often than not and creating positive consequences by the thing that you're doing – and you've, and you've been self-aware of that over time, well, then you can be more confident in how you act on it. But if you can't immediately pull yourself up and say, do I have experience of positive consequences based on making decisions like this, and you're not really sure, well, then it's not good advice to trust your gut because <laughs> you don't have that yet. You just don't have it. Now, you might be in a spot where you need more reps, but again, I don't think trusting your gut would be the thing to do. I think you'd go back and say, hey, I need better information. Maybe part of that is getting more information. Third thing, Keith. So first, what skill do I have? Second, what experience of positive consequences do I have previously in my life making decisions like this? Third, is it important in this moment to use your gut as the decision-making? Is it even important? Or is there information that has nothing to do with your gut that you need to use? I, you know, this is back to more info, better info, and gut. I like to, for myself, I like to, to, to leave as little of my life up to my gut as I possibly can. 
because I know there's a role for gut and I'll, I'll use it in my life plenty, I, but I don't think that using my gut is important for me. I don't, it doesn't need to be my gut making the decision. I want to build skills. I want to build understanding and observations of the world. I want to use, I want to use information based on what I know are smart and wise decisions based on things that have happened before. I don't want to be in 50, 50 gut decisions frankly, that often in my life. I just don't want to be. It'll happen. I just don't want it to be a lot. And so a lot of times people, I think, get into trust their gut situations because they feel like their gut is smarter than everything else. And it's, a, it's kind of a selfish and an ego-driven thing. So just ask yourself, is it important that you use your gut in this? What about somebody else's gut? How often, you know, <laughs> how about this, Keith? How often in coaching... Are you in, in – uh, how often does it happen where, where two coaches both have a feeling and a gut, but they're opposing feelings? They're opposing decisions, and one, one has a gut feeling of this. The other has a gut feeling of that. They're both completely convinced that they're right, and they both want to follow their gut. They're just opposing each other in, in, in a staff planning session or a, a game planning session or a decision in the moment. Go for it. Don't go for it. Make a gut decision. That happens all the time. I've been in a lot of those meetings with fists pounding on the table about those types of things. And this is the point, right? Like, again, what skill do I have in this? What experience of positive consequences do I have? And then the third one, is it important that I use my gut here? All right? it, might, it might not be your gut. It might be somebody else's because they have more skill and more experience of positive consequences. And therefore, we're going to follow their gut because it gives us better odds. <laughs> It's not perfect and it's not going to work every time because those kinds of things never do. For None of us are right all the time. But maybe your gut isn't the most reliable source in this particular moment, even though your gut feeling is strong. It might be somebody else's gut. And number two is it might not be your gut. It might be the data or the odds or the percentage chances or you know, the risky play, whatever it happens to be. It might be you – know, there might be something other than your gut you need to be paying attention to. And then the fourth thing, which I'll come back to and, and, and you know, wrapping on, and I think this comes back to, I think this is the most important personally, and that is, will I accept good or bad consequences based on a gut decision? For myself, for myself, when I watch other people, and this, again, I use, my, I use this as my reference point in, in my decisions, gut or not, but at least if I'm watching others, I just ask myself, if you're going to use your gut – are you willing to accept and acknowledge the consequences? I don't hear people say, Keith, and I don't hear people telling stories about how often their gut is wrong. I made a gut call, and it was, it was totally wrong. I hear people say, I made a gut call, and I would do it again. Okay, and you know, sure, there's time for that, but… Everybody talks about how often their gut is right, and hardly anybody talks about how often their gut is wrong, <laughs> how often their intuition, their sense, all the stuff they thought was good. Is it? No, it was just wrong because we're really good at lying to ourselves. We're really good at deceiving ourselves. We're really good at perceiving patterns where there are no patterns. We're really good at seeing a piece of information and mistaking it for more than it really is. It happens all the time. So if you're going to trust your gut, the prerequisite – is you have to accept the good and the bad consequences that come with it, and you got to acknowledge them and start tracking it. 
and you'll find, hey, like there's a better way to make decisions than just trusting your gut. Ask yourself what skill you have. Observe your experience of positive consequences making decisions like that and be better at asking yourself whether it's actually important to use your gut here or whether it's important to follow somebody else or look to information other than the strongest feeling you personally have because there might be better information than your own emotions in a particular scenario. BK, four, I think, really good points on how you approach a situation like that. Four really good questions. And you know, I, I do believe getting to answer sometimes is being able to ask the right questions. So I would go back, if, if you're facing a tough decision or, or you come upon one and, and you're trying to decide, you know, this is what I feel about it, what do I need to know? I would come back to, if you remember this podcast, come back to those four questions and ask those, you know, evaluate those, be honest with yourself. You know, I could think BK of a lot of times early in my career, you know, again, acting on that gut decision that I either didn't have the skill or have maybe the experiences that went along with it, or I, I definitely it resonated with me when you said, you know, sometimes you just focus on the ones that worked out well and remember those and kind of discard some of the ones that didn't exactly work out for you. I could think of, in particular, I was thinking of a senior sitting with him on, on the edge of the game field after a practice and him telling me, you know, he was, he wanted to quit. He wasn't a starter. He's the only senior wasn't a starter, et cetera. And I, I talked him, you know, into not quitting and told him, you know, Hey, I know, you know, you're, you're not where you want to be and you're going to be a role player. And there will be a time when you get to step up. And sure enough, he ends up starting in a playoff game and making some catches. He was a receiver. That one worked out well, right? I was right. But then there's been those other ones after that, that I could think of, yeah, you know, same situation, kid talking about this or that, you know, for whatever reason, didn't, didn't work out very well. And, you know, I think a lot of this though, Brian comes to, we have to develop our skills as a coach, one way or the other, we have to find a way to get those reps. And it's probably a conversation for another time is I could think of a lot of young guys who get frustrated because they don't get opportunities. You know, they don't have the experience. And really what it comes down to is there's probably people who are administrators not trusting that situation where somebody doesn't have real reps at doing things. So we could probably follow that up uh, another time on developing skill, finding ways to get reps, et cetera. But I think four important things to really evaluate you know, again, that idea of trust your gut, which can mean so many different things. Yeah. And, you know, the one we didn't talk about today, Keith, which is, you know, very real. And I, I, I stayed away from it today because we talk about it so often is, you know, when you have a, a very well-developed system and you operate within that system, what you find is you're, you're better at evaluating what's going on, seeing all of the different working components, uh, having all the different reference points and distilling all of that info into usable information that gives you better chances to make good decisions and execute really well. And so rather than trust your gut, I'm a much bigger fan of use a system. And, you know, again, we're not, we're not going to go all the way into that, but you know, anybody who knows, anybody who knows me knows how, how deep of a believer I am in, in a system. And so the, the simplest system uh, to implement on that front is E plus R equals O, event plus response equals outcome, specifically because trust – for me, trust my gut doesn't work well 
for my life. Trust my gut. I would have made very different decisions. And there are some of the best things that have ever happened. You know, if I said, trust my gut, that had I not used e so I would have made a different decision and it would have been bad or it would have been taking me in a direction I didn't want to go and all kinds of different things. It wasn't about trusting my gut. It was about using a system and a really good one and then building skill, getting experience, learning how to create positive consequences, and then learning when and how to say, all right, if I'm going to trust my gut here, before I make this call, I've got to accept this may or may not work, but my gut is telling me do it and live with whatever consequence happens, and then we'll, we'll use it better next time. E plus R equals O as a system helps me do that better more often than not, but it's not because of my gut. It's because of skill in a consistent system. Brian, I was going to say, you know, back to the beginning to wrap this all up, you know, when I was thinking of that example of play calling, that was exactly what I think we created then as a coaching staff for ourselves, not just me as the play caller, but we had a system that helped us make decisions and boil all that information down and so that we can act quickly based on all the things that we know. But it, it starts with, you know, however you do it, whether we're talking about something very specific like a like play calling or something bigger like making decisions that affect the health and well-being of, of your players or your program, the system is the way to go. You know, your, your quote that you used here, you know, elite coaches have systems, I think really resonates with me. And it's, it's why you and I get on this podcast again and again and talk about these things. You know it, brother. So, BK, we are heading towards the end of the regular season, but we will continue on with our leadership journey. And uh, just this morning, read a, a, a great one on E plus R equals O in the daily discipline, which I get in my inbox every single morning during the week, 6 a.m. How can coaches get that? You can sign up, put your name and email in at dailydiscipline.com. It's free. Again, like he said, it comes Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. And I don't know, there's probably about 30,000 readers on that, which is, which is unbelievable to me still. It's by far the best thing that I have going. I had a great one, had a great one the other day. Somebody wrote to me and said, somebody said, I signed up for this and I thought I would just ignore it, but I found myself needing to read it every day because of how important it was to setting my day right from the beginning. And I just wanted to say thank you. And I thought that was really, I thought that was really cool because I get it, you know, an email that comes every morning, everybody's like, ah, um, it's not called every now and then discipline, it's daily discipline, it comes Monday through Friday. And I appreciated this person's honesty saying I signed up and I thought I would just, you know, ignore it for the most part. But I found myself reading it every morning and, and, and finding it was the best way to start my day with good information, practical and usable, and setting my mind right to go out and do the work and attack the day and embrace the chase each morning. So if you're interested in something that can play that role in your life, or frankly, just something that you can ignore uh, sometimes and read when you want, it's a, it's a free way to get some good info into your life that, that you can apply both to yourself as well as to your teams. BK, uh, appreciate all the time you give us, and I look forward to another step in the le- leadership journey next week. I'm in. Mean,